0: Well, good morning. Glad to see you here. And uh, we're continuing our series, Lane Assisted Driving. And so, I don't know, some of you last week, you were reminded that you have a newfangled car, that it beeps and shakes and does all this if you start driving a little bit off course. And so, um, it's annoying to me, and so I don't drive those things. And uh, But it's, it's this thing that as you're moving along, and all of a sudden, it, it shows you that you're going a little bit close to one line or the other, It starts beeping. and It may tell you you need coffee. It may tell you you need to pull off. It may tell you you need to have somebody else completely driving or whatever. But it's this thing that kind of gets you moving in the direction that you need to go. And if you start to get off course, it shakes you in a way that it brings you back to alertness. And then we applied that to this idea in Ephesians chapter 5 of that's how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, is that there are those moments as we're going along the, the life as highway, and all of a sudden we kind of start to drift, or we kind of get drowsy or whatever, and the Holy Spirit inside of us begins to shake and, and beep, and so that we will be alert and attentive to the fact that we're drifting off the course that God has for us. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and following, and as again, as we talked about a little bit last week, this is Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus was a church that um, had a lot of wealth, had a lot of um, things at their disposal. Because of that wealth, it was a port city and a lot of activity was going on. And so here Paul spends about three years of his life as a pastor and a church planter here in Ephesus and um, to great effect. And one of the things about Paul's writings is that he starts off at the beginning of his writings, talking about the blessings that we have because we are the child of God and what it means to, to be a child of God and the blessings that we have. And that um, then he talks about, as far as after the blessings, he talks about the behaviors that we should have. And this is one of those interesting things about being a follower of Jesus is God bestows upon us the blessings before we even begin to behave. And so that behavior should come because of the understanding and the living out of the blessings. And that's an interesting thing for us as followers of Jesus. And what would that look like if we parent our own children that way? Sometimes that would be scary. Um, but what would it look like for us to bless our children just because they're our children? And uh, Paul talks about that, that. That's how God treats us. He gives us grace and wealth even before we understand and even before we deserve it. So in Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 15 and following, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you to grasp here is we're going to dig into this passage just a little bit more, but I want to, there's some things that I need to point out to you. And that Paul here is creating two distinctive Things for us is one is that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then there's the other one that you may not be. And so, He's giving us this distinctive as a child of God, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not a child of God, then the Holy Spirit is not available to you. And so, what that looks like and what that means, but here's the interesting thing is that every person from the moment that they are born, has the ability to have a relationship, a one-on-one relationship with God the Father, but that only happens through the Holy Spirit. And so all of us, as we find out in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, all of us are created with a soul. In other words, some of you have heard of it as Jiminy Cricket or conscience or something like that. But there is a soul that's created in us. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, when God created Adam, what does he do? He breathes his breath into him, his ruach, his numa. And in that moment, he creates a soul within us. And from that moment, we now crave and desire to have a relationship with our creator. And so some would say, Hey, I have a void. There's something missing. There's this God-shaped hole. Whatever terminology they use, it's coming back to this idea in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 is that when God created all of creation, the only thing that he created and breathed his breath into was the person of Adam. And so from that, we're able to have a relationship with him at that moment that we say yes to Jesus, that from Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 all the way up till now and even in the further days, we're going to long for to have this relationship so that our spirit can be satisfied with the spirit of God taking residence with inside of us. So all of us have a soul, we all have one, and that soul began at creation, but then also it helps us understand the difference between right and wrong. And in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, verse 15 specifically says, it demonstrated that God's law is written on their hearts for their own consciences and thoughts, either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right. And so that when God creates us and he speaks his breath into us in that moment of creating a soul, it also creates this morality within us, that we have this ability to know right and wrong because God's laws of morality are written on us. So you can look at the history of man throughout, and there's this common sense of right and wrong. So each one of us have a soul. This soul also allows us, not only do everyone have one, but when we say yes to Jesus, we can communicate one-on-one with God, that in that moment the only thing that can satisfy the Spirit of God that was created us in Genesis is the Spirit of God himself taking residence with inside of us. And that the only way that that miracle can happen is when we say yes to Jesus. Hebrews twelve twenty-five says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. In other words, we have the opportunity when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence with inside of us. That you are a temple, that when God breathed his breath into Adam, that he became in that moment a temple of God, and that the temple is waiting for and wanting the Spirit of God to take residence within inside of it. And in that moment when that happens, we then have the ability to have this one-on-one communication relationship. So that as we're driving along the highway of life, Whenever the car begins to shake, whenever the alerts begin to go off, that's not Jiminy Cricket. That's the Spirit of God telling you that you need to stop, you need to slow down, you need to turn off the radio, you need to have the alertness of God is speaking directly to your soul, and that that comes from that one-on-one relationship with Him. That your computer of your car has been inserted with something that other cars don't have, because of your saying yes to Jesus. So then how do you, as a follower of Jesus, that someone who has the Holy Spirit has taken residence with inside of you, how do you hear from him? One of the ways that you hear from him is just this quiet, still voice. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see that Elijah the prophet had had gone away and he was waiting to hear from God. And there was a fire, there was a, a great storm, and there was all these other loud things that happened. And then in one moment, a quiet, still voice passed by, and that's when Elijah recognized that that was the voice of God and so he steps up out, steps outside of the cave and has a conversation with God and that is true for us as well as that many times God is just patiently talking and he's just waiting for the noise of our life for us to just push pause on it so that we'll be still long enough just to listen if you ever sat in front of a teacher and the teacher just begins teaching in the class is mass chaos and the teacher just begins talking at this almost like at a whisper And all of a sudden, the class, one person recognizes the teacher's talking. another one begins. And then all of a sudden, the entire class gets quiet. And at that still, small whisper that the teacher was talking in actually is a pretty loud, audible voice. But because of the chaos of the class, they weren't able to hear. But in that moment of quietness, the voice of the teacher is able to be heard. And that is what God does, is there's so many times that he's talking, but the chaos of our life is going around that he's just waiting for us to just stop and to listen. The still, quiet voice. The second way that he talks to us is through life circumstances. There's a story about a, a man, a judge by the name of Gideon, and Gideon would have been called by God to do some, something pretty powerful, pretty amazing, and Gideon was like, eh, I don't know if God's really asked me to do this. And so he did something that we do sometimes, and he threw out a fleece, literally a fleece, and he said, God, here's a fleece and if you're really calling me, then this fleece will be wet and the rest of the ground will be dry. Will it happen? And he's like, ah, I don't know if that's really God. So, God, this time, why don't we throw out the fleece and, you know, let's do the exact opposite. And it happens. And he's like, mm, okay, Maybe. And we do that, too, don't we? That Sometimes we're like, God, I know that you're asking me to do this, or I feel confident that you're asking me to do this, so if you'll do X, then I will do Y. And he does it, and you're like, mm, I, I don't know, let's do And so we're consistently asking God to prove himself that we can hear his voice. instead of. And that's, that's for us, a lot of it, it's not that we don't trust God, it's that we don't trust that it's our ability to hear and know God's voice. So this life circumstances that happen. Sometimes we like to say, hey, a door was closed or a window was open or whatever. But God is moving and directing our lives. And sometimes that life circumstances is that sometimes God tells us no, and we want to force a door open. And so we're trying to force some things that God doesn't have for us. Another way that God speaks to us is through Scripture. Psalm 119, 105, if you've grown up around church or went to VBS or something, it's one that you probably had memorized. Your word is a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path, right? And it guides me. And so that's true for us is this, this idea that every time that we open up God's word is that it's this light for us, it's a path that, you know, we get to see a little bit further, we get to see a reflection of us. God's word is a mirror. Another way that we learn from God is prayer. It's a thing that we struggle with. I think most of us that I talk with you and you're like, Pastor, how do I pray? I mean, Jesus himself even spent time talking to his disciples and saying how do we pray and it's uh because we can't see physically touch god he's he's there but we don't see him and out of the touch Him. so it's it feels weird to sit down across from someone and to have coffee with them and to talk with them and no one talking back and you kind of like people be like hey let's put a straight jacket on this guy and um, what's going on but but it is that idea of prayer of us consistently day after day setting an appointment and sitting down and having a conversation in a relationship for some of you, I've seen you praying in your cars. You don't have your eyes closed, but you're talking. Either that or you're singing really bad. And um, you're moving and you're going. But there's finding places to pray and have conversations. Another way that we hear from God is just having wise friends in our life. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. There's some loud noise going on. That means kids are having fun, okay? Everything's good. Fools think that their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Some of us, we just need some new friends. Because our friends are fools and we're making bad decisions and they're applauding us. And others of us, we're trying to make wise decisions and we don't have people around us and you need to gather some wise friends. Fools literally means that your appetites are for drunkenness. Your appetites are for your pleasure. Your appetites are against what God would have for you. So a fool is someone who chooses their own way. A wise person who is someone who chooses the knowledge and truth of God's way. So reasons to listen to the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17, the first thing that we see in that passage is that we're to be careful and to watch out. It's this idea of having a spirit of readiness and alert for the future danger. It's this notion that as we're driving along the way that the car begins to shake, the alertness begins, and we're, we're awakened to the fact that there's possible danger ahead. Or even sometimes on your GPS, your car will say, hey, accident ahead, or there's police ahead. And so you begin to alertness of things that are in the future that are there before you. Sometimes we even see these signs, and it says, curve, 35 miles an hour, slow down. And, and I think that at times we go, mm, it says 35. Let's see what this baby can do at 55. Right. And so we think about it. and We're like, hey, this I, I'm low to the ground. I can do it. And we do that with our life as well. God, I know that you're saying there's a curve ahead. And I know that you say I should probably slow down to thirty five, but I'm going to push this baby to the edge and see what it can possibly do. And then when we have an accident. Even a little fender bender, we're like, why in the world would this happen? Why would God do this to me? And the whole time he's like, I put up signs I told you over and over again, the little car said beep, 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 and you said, okay. There's even a sign that said, hey, there's construction ahead, and you're like, it's for everybody else but me. Danger is ahead. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be careful and watch out. The second thing that you can hear from the Holy Spirit is that we need to walk and to live and drive in in our life in wisdom. This idea of to live wisely is not just having knowledge, but it's the skill in living out that knowledge well that it shows in a way that we walk straight it shows in a way that we walk correctly that wisdom is this idea of a practical knowledge of the true end and living life on purpose and there's this absence of foolishness again a fool is someone who foolishly pursues the things that they desire they pursue the pleasures they want and they pursue filling their appetites Some of you think, man, I never do that. Listen, how many times have you put something on a credit card that you know that you don't need? Yeah, don't raise your hands. Right? And immediately what happens? Shame, pain, regret, all kinds of different things going on that you're thinking about. And you're wondering, why in the world did I do that? That's because you're a fool. Because you want what you want, when you want it, when you want it, why you want it, and how you want it. And you're willing to do whatever you can possibly do to get it. matter of fact, that is undisciplined behavior. It's almost like driving around Krispy Kreme. You like Krispy Kreme. And so you're like, hey, I'm tempted by this. And you know that if that red light goes on that that is the thing for you and you're going to want it. And so you think, hey, I'm going to show you how disciplined I am, that I am wise. I'm just going to drive my car around Krispy Kreme, and when that light turns red, I'm not going to pull in. How many of you think that that's really going to work? It's not. But we do that with our life of like, hey, I need to flee situations that tempt me, but instead I'm just going to drive around them and show you how long. I can make it 15 minutes this time instead of five minutes. And then next time you're like, "Mm, I can make it 30 minutes and then you bring friends in with you, and they want the donuts as well. And so there you are. You're trying to find your drive and wisdom, but it's impossible for you to do. This undisciplined behavior, our appetites are what they are, and if we pursue them and let them go, then that's when it's going to happen. The other thing that the Holy Spirit reasons to listen to the Holy Spirit is to actually cooperate with the Holy Spirit, that we move together with him. Paul draws this pretty, pretty um Tough distinction when he says, "Don't be drunk, or actually debauch with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit." Now, why would he use such a such a distinction? One is debauchery literally means this extravagant squandering of our money and our appetites. So imagine somebody just walking into a room and they're literally just they've got hundred dollar bills and they're just throwing hundred dollar bills because they think their bank account is going to continually be fulfilled. And Paul says that's what debauchery is like. Like you have thrown off restraint no control, it's like being drunk. Now, not that any of you have ever been drunk, but you've probably seen people drunk. And what happens when someone is drunk? They're inebriated and they have lost all faculties, all ability to make wise decisions. They throw off the restraint and inhibitions and trouble can happen. Some of the dumbest decisions, life-altering decisions that people have made have been because of being drunk. And so Paul draws this really beautiful distinction for us of, listen, if you want to live a debauched, drunk life, then you're throwing off the restraints. That's foolish living. You're not in control. You're totally at the disposal of your appetites and getting what you want. Where on the other side is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this isn't just a one-time type thing. This is an ongoing relationship type deal of continually, progressively, Being filled with the Spirit, and so there's this cooperation that happens between us and the Holy Spirit. And it's not how much Holy Spirit that you have, but how much Holy Spirit, how much does the Holy Spirit have you? Okay? And so that it assumes that the Spirit of God is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. So imagine with me there. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, God creates Adam, and and he breathes his breath into Adam, the ruach, the pneuma of God. And so from that moment on, all of humanity has had this soul inside of him that it is quenching and wanting the spirit, the living water of God to fulfill it. And so he's been pursuing it, and we pursue all these other things, these these foolish things, these unwise things, because we think that will temporarily fill it. So from Genesis 3, we even see that they were seeking to fulfill that relationship void that they were sensing in that moment and so they saw the apple and the apple looked good and it was appealing and there was just enough of a truth just enough of a lie that they took it and what happened immediately they recognized they were naked and there was shame and there was regret and there was pain and so for all of history man has been wanting to fill that void with something and that the only thing that can fully satisfy the spirit of god is the spirit of god And that's why all these other things that we pursue, Paul says, it's like being drunk. You throw off restraint because you so want your soul to be satisfied. And you're trying anything and everything for your soul to be satisfied. And you think the last thing that will do it is God. And God is the only thing that will do it. And in that moment that you say yes to him, you go from being a creation of God, just a creation of God, to a child of God. And that, that was saying about a little bit earlier. And what does it mean to be a child of God? It means you get to sit in daddy's lap. It means you get the, the ear of the father. It means that all the things of the father are, are now of your inheritance. You have his last name and that you're carrying on the characteristics of what it means to be a child of God. And before, outside of that, you didn't have the ability to have that one-on-one conversation with God. And that our soul's longing is to crawl up in the dad's lap and say, Dad, I need you. But so many times, in our own foolish way, and our own foolish thinking, we think this is going to fill it, or this is going to fill it, or at least this will medicate it, when the only thing that will satisfy is the Spirit of God. What does it look like for us to grow in that cooperation with the Spirit of God? It's kind of like this. I've been married for 25 years now. That's a long time. I was married when I was 12. That's a long time. Here's the interesting thing. I love my wife more now than I did 25 years ago, and I know more about her. And that's the process of cooperating with the Holy Spirit day in and day out, spending time together, the Spirit of God seeing the ugliness, the warts, all the different stuff, and still communing together every day, getting up and saying, today is another day. It's not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have, but it's how much we're cooperating with him and moving together. And that allows us in those moments to experience the sweetness, to be able to say, I don't need that out there, I've got the best thing right here in the person of jesus christ and the holy spirit in those moments where we begin to drift and begin to pursue other things that we think oh i see this over here begin to move that direction the alertness button goes off the thing begins to shake and say you know you've gone down that path before do you remember what happened last time do you remember that x happened and you chose this and it didn't satisfy and you're like yes and we agreed that we were going to stay on the path yes but this time is going to be different No, stay on the path. Because outside of the lane assist, there's rumble strips. Then there's guardrails. Some of you are driving really nice cars. And there's no way that you want to even come close to those guardrails, but you push the limit. I know, God, it says 35, but surely I can do 55 in this school car. The challenge for us as his children is to hear the voice of God. And in those moments... Truly say, I don't drive the car, you do. And to trust that he's taking you in the direction that he wants you to go. Let's pray together. Father, we like being in control. Father, we like being the one that sets the GPS direction. And there are times that we're moving in one direction Thinking we're getting there, and we're getting there as fast as we can possibly do it. And all of a sudden, you begin to say rerouting and rerouting. And we do everything within our power to try to stop you from rerouting our lives and rerouting the path that we have for us. And Father, every single time that we choose a different path, there's shame, there's pain, there's regret, there's wrong destinations. We're in the wrong place at the wrong time because we chose to be there. We're in debt. We're not free because we chose foolishness over wisdom. And all the while, your spirit was beeping and shaking our hearts and our souls and saying, don't do it. Don't forget. Remember last time, don't do it. But we think this time will be different than last time. That we're smarter than you. Father, we confess that. We give that to you, Father. May we trust that still, small, quiet voice. May we trust the author of the words. May we trust you and that you have what you have for us is best. And not seconds or thirds, but it is first place. It is the best of the best. For God the Father only gives his children the best things. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.